Hey, welcome back, y'all, to Life on Life with Andre. Appreciate you coming in again. It's always good to have your ear for a little bit. I hope you also get to hear from you, hear a word or two. You know, drop them comments, click those likes, and share this word. Uh, before we get deep into things, I just want to remind you that you can follow me. and You can check out a couple different links I'm going to post today. And I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that you too will be one of those people that says, hey, here's where I have a challenge or a question about. I always look forward to those because this is life on life. And life on life means that it's not just my perspective, but yours. Um, I will always get pushback because the Bible has a final say so. But I am excited, like I said, about delivering this word today. Um, before we get in, well, I already said that. But I'm just going to say to you, please, oh, please, make sure you always check the scriptures I'm talking about. I love when we can dialogue and actually dissect or dive into, there's a better word, dive into his word. Because Jesus, that's all he's been doing with me. Like, the stuff I'm sharing with you is not like, oh, Andre is just trying to teach from his knowledge. No, this is from my experience of diving in. So this week, this topic, it's been a, it's been a journey. Not because it's some, like a, another level of depth, but instead... It's like being asked the same question over and over and over till you come to a conclusion for yourself. All right? So, as always, before we dive in, I'm going to give a word, give a prayer. So, Lord Jesus, we just ask that not only are you present, but that you are heard clearly on what you are trying to share. For the person listening right now, Father, that has a need that needs to be met, I ask that you not only meet their need, but exceed it. For that person that has been discouraged, Father, because of what's been happening around them, let them find encouragement in knowing that you are still God in spite of the circumstance. And Father, most of all, provide community for each individual so that they can do this life with somebody. Because again, this is about doing life together. This is about us being a body of Christ, living stones that are living, breathing out in society and the community. So again, Father, we give all of this to you because you get all of the glory in Christ Jesus' name, amen. All right, so look. I was going to do this corny thing like, put some respect on his name. But, you know, that guy used a whole lot. So I'm not going to use that one. But as you can tell, I'm going to be talking about how we honor Jesus. And when I say that, I really literally mean how we honor him. I, I think, that, you know, I'm a teacher. So I get challenged in different ways. And. Most recently, as a summer school teacher, I had to laugh. Like, honestly, I have students that are young, young, like 14, 15 years old, 16 probably. And I got a couple older ones in there too, but pretty young group. And there was a day one of them was cussing up the storm and I looked and I said, calm your nerves. Like, you know, I don't want to hear all that. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But they were comfortable enough to be in conversation with their peers and be cussing up a storm right in front of me. And I know some people look at that as normal, but that's not normal to me. Um, you guys know, some of y'all know, the generation I grew up with didn't have it to the level of the generation before me. But we had a, an idea of respect on how we spoke and how we engaged with people, how we acknowledged the space when we walked in and acknowledged the people in the space. Um, there was a respect on how we called people by their name. There was a lot there, and it was kind of drilled into me. 
So when I look at our young people now and I'm like, they want to call or have been taught that they should call me by my first name. Nope. I'm Mr. Alberti. So I said, I love you. I respect y'all. But I said, there is something about the fact that you are a student in my class versus my peer in my class. I said, yes, we're going on the education journey together, but I'm the teacher in this case. Um, and they always receive it well. It's not something that's a battle. It's not even something I get pushback on. So it's it's always been told to me by somebody else. It'll be another peer of mine. They'll say, oh, well, you know, I just want to make sure they know we can have a, you know, a relationship. And I'm like, they know we can have a relationship. It's just a proper relationship. I'm not their best friend. I'm not their homie. I am their teacher. Same thing with my children. I think about how I am with my dad. I will never walk up to my dad and be like, hey, pops, in the sense of calling him by his first name. I'm not going to be like, hey, no, mm -mm. I can't. Look, I didn't even give you all the example because that's just not how I show him honor and respect. Uh, but I was like, how do I how do I get somebody else to see this? Because I'm around. We're around a lot of different cultures. and There's other people that have felt comfortable enough to call my dad by his first name. and They're younger than me. And I'm like, I don't know what to say to you right now. Like, do I pop you upside your head? Do I check you? But if that's not your norm. And you'll hear me say that a lot, if that's not your norm. Um, it's hard because you have to be taught this. It's not something that's ingrained in us. So although I'm using the words respect and honor, I think that it'll be a different conversation by the end of this podcast. Um, ultimately, what I'm hoping each of us, because I'm myself included, is challenged to think of where we place Jesus. Like, who is he to us? And how does that show up for us? Because I was just, I was in the book of Mark. Nothing spectacular. Well, okay, don't want to say it that way. Being God's word is always spectacular. But sometimes, you know, and I said this in the last podcast, you get comfortable with who you know God to be. So then you don't have the same response that you probably should have. Because this is where I had to check myself. So, I'm going through the book of Mark. And as I'm listening to it, I'm doing the audiobook thing. Like, I had the Bible just play it. And I'm like, I keep hearing something repeated. And I was like, hold on. Now, this thing that was repeated is what I'm going to talk to you about. The idea of who is Jesus. When you fall to his feet, who will he be to you? Now, you, I ain't being deep. Just saying, think about it. Because we all are going to fall. Like Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if it, everybody's saying that, does that mean that everybody's heart's there? Because that's not what's shown up for me when I'm in the book of Mark. Um, here's, I want you, here, here's one of the things. I want to make sure I say the right text because I want you to travel with me. I want you to go to Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 3. And I'm going to I'm gonna be in verse 11 eventually. Uh, but I'm going to start at verse 7 just to give some context. All right? Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed him from Galilee to Judea and to Jerusalem and to Idumea. And from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. So there's a lot of people coming, y'all. 
That's where we at. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed so many that all who had diseases pressed in around him to touch him. Now here's the key verse. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. All right, so think about this. The demons falling at his feet, the unclean spirits, and they know who he is. He tells them, shh, keep your mouth shut. But they're falling at his feet. So I want you to understand, the demons are falling at his feet. There's a position they put Jesus in. But I'm going to fast forward a little bit because, again, I want to get back and talk about these more. If you fast forward and you go to, again, I want y'all to travel with me. I'm going to jump to chapter 5, verse 22. So hold on. I'm going to lead into that one too. So starting in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. There's a lot of people. I'm saying this because that means there's a lot of witnesses. It says, then he came. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by, by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. Now, again, I'm going to come back and visit this, but I've just got to say, Jairus, leader of the synagogue, falls to Jesus' feet. He doesn't call him master. He doesn't call him savior, but he does implore. He does ask because he knows that Jesus is capable of healing his daughter. He believes that. Uh, so he makes that request. Now on his way to the daughter, I know you guys have heard this one because remember there's still a crowd of people around Jesus. Uh, there's a woman who's had an issue of blood and she decides to fight to the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment. She instantly feels and knows that she's been made whole. Instantly he says, man, somebody touch me. And in verse, we'll pick it up in verse 30. It's the same chapter, same chapter 5. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned in, about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And the disciples said, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. So like it's almost like he ignored them and just kept looking. But the woman, knowing that, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. That's interesting. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Oh my gosh. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. I just want you to note though, when she fell, she came, she came to him in fear and trembling and fell down before him. Now, we just had 
Jarius fall, but he didn't fall in fear and trembling. He fell desiring something that he knew God could do. This woman fell after already being healed, already having what she would have gone to Jesus for completed. Not going to go into it deeper than that yet. So, this falling down before him, man, led me to a conversation. And, man, the conversation just had me, like, wondering, like, as these people keep falling, why is it, why is this in, so different for me? Um, and there's a couple other places that you'll see where the person falls down to Jesus' feet. And I want to see, do I want to do the other one? just want to confirm real quick. Da, 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 da. So 33, da, 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 that's the one we just read. So we might go to the other one. I'm double checking. No, that's not the one I want. <laughs> yeah, so no, we're going to stop with those examples. But, sorry about that. I just had to take a moment to make sure. I don't I don't want to open too many bags here. The point of this is, I got into a conversation with my brother. I told him I was going to give him a shout out, Vazel. Vazel was on here, like, chatting with me. And we were like, man, like, it's just so intriguing. Because then we thought about the rich young ruler, you know, the rich young man, who sat there and fell down at Jesus' feet and said, teacher, what must I do? You know, to go into the kingdom, and he and he tells him about the list of, you know, do's and don'ts, and he just says, "I do all those." And he said, "Well, go sell everything, give it to the poor, and come help, come follow me, go into the kingdom." What people don't talk about is, he left away sad, but he left away in judgment because he didn't do it, and because Jesus goes right into it, so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom. So the position he had Jesus in wasn't quite right. And so that's why, okay, so I'm trying to connect these dots. And what I would say to y'all, what I would challenge y'all on is, we have to think about what position is Jesus in in our lives. Because if he's not in the right position, what, there is no benefit. There is nothing, you don't gain anything. Think about it. The rich young ruler, like I said, the one I just finished with, he walked away. Jesus was sad for him. He was sad because he knew he was rejecting what he actually asked for to be able to enter the kingdom. So when I went to back to our first example back at the beginning of Mark, and I said, hey, the demons would fall to his feet. I had to think about other places that certain things are positioned. And I was like, in James, we're in, chap in chapter 2, and it's a conversation about faith. And it's like, some of you will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. So he's having this whole conversation, and then he just throws this loophole. He says, you believe that God is one? You do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. Like they shake, they're scared. They're fearful, which is what we see in the, the text with Mark when they fall down before his feet. So they know who Jesus is, yet they're not in a right relationship with him. So the benefit is that they're always worried about being destroyed. Like when you look at 
everybody talks about them being sent into the pigs, the demon named Legion. And I was like, what you read about is right before that, he's like, please don't destroy us and send us out of this region. Uh, he sends them into the pigs. I was like, did anybody catch that? Like, they know how powerful he is. They know his position in the heavens, his who he is walking the earth, yet they still don't choose and they haven't chosen because, you know, we'll talk about that another time. They haven't chosen him. They chose to rebel with, with Lucifer. So that's interesting. So I was like, okay. And I fast forward a little bit and you got Jarius and Jarius, when he falls, he knows Jesus can do something for him. And I hope y'all know this, and I hope everybody gets a clear understanding. Jesus is able to do a miracle for those that trust in him as Lord and Savior and those that don't. I believe if we truly understand that the purpose of every miracle ever done is to draw people to him, to point the light or point the direction back to Christ, to God, um, then we understand that he can. He has his own plan. We don't understand it. His ways are above our ways. So that means that anybody is allowed to be healed. It does not mean they have a right relationship with God. Just like if they're not healed, it doesn't mean they have a wrong relationship with God. But this, this, this religious figure of the synagogue humbled himself and fell at Jesus' feet. Now, if you read it, if you keep reading that particular um, exchange, you get to a point where after, like I said, he was Jesus is on his way to go heal the, the guy's daughter. The woman with the issue of blood touches him. He stops. He deals with that. Tells her, hey, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, while he's saying that, the, the dude, ruler, the guy that's there, his daughter is dead. So they tell him, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore, anymore because your daughter's dead. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. That's verse 16. Okay? So he says, do not fear, only believe. Now, we're going to slide down some scripture. I'm actually going to read this whole section because it's very key to what we're about to do. So, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, here comes verse 40. This is chapter 5 of Mark, verse 40. And they laughed at him. Pause. Time out. They laughed at Jesus. You're supposed to be in a place of grieving, but yet you flipped the switch so quickly because what was said to you was utterly ridiculous. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and the three disciples with him. There's three of them. And he went in there with the child, taking her by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. Now it says, for she was 12 years old of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Her mom and dad. 
the religious leader, the one who humbled himself, who knew that Jesus could do it, they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. It's very interesting. Now, what's sad, what I am tr troubled by, is that if we go right into chapter 6, I just want you to see something. I'm not going to stay there long because I, I just want to try to show a position. We just had Jesus perform a miracle. Now he goes to his hometown in Nazareth. And when he gets there, they're questioning him. And he's like, man, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid hands on a few sick people and healed him. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, hold on. I want you to back up. He told the Sadducee, I said, is that right? No, leader of the synagogue. I don't want to say Sadducee. The leader of the synagogue, when they questioned, when they laughed, when the people in his, in his home laughed at what Jesus said he was going to do, he said, don't fear, just believe. But when he goes to his hometown, they have no belief. So he's unable to do the same kind of healings and miracles there. Oh, this is getting great. This is getting good. So again, I'm asking you where Jesus is in your life because ultimately what my friend Vazel brought up was like, man, they got too comfortable with Jesus. Like, they just picturing Jesus, the kid that grew up here, Mary's son. You know, the boy we've always seen. Instead of listening to what was happening all around them and engaging him as the miracle worker that he was displaying himself as. Now, I know some of y'all are going to say, well, he was th those things were secret. But come on. What I kept pointing out to you was there was crowds of people. Crowds of people. These cats are meeting him on the other side of lakes and things running to be around what he is doing. It is not a little deal. It is a big deal, the things he is doing. And yet he goes from being able to help a young lady come back to life from death to being unable to do any major miracle or healing because of the position that they placed him in their lives. Now, I could keep going through the text like that, but this is where the conversation kind of flips to you and I. I just wonder where we have them because people are going to tell me that, hey, I love Jesus. And I'm be like, uh, -huh, I believe you. Now, let me, let me not do it that way. We, we will typically in this culture want to bring things down to our level. You know, there's a, there's a disrespect for people in the role of leadership, whether you're talking about the president, a judge, uh, officers, like any positional person that's supposed to have authority, even your own boss on your job, if you work for under anybody, you will have this bend towards wanting to make them be your level. They're no better than me. When it's not about if the person's better or worse than you. It's about showing them respect for who they, 
for the position they hold. Notice I stopped saying who they are, but the position they hold. And in our culture, we don't do that. We used to. We used to respect the position people have. And matter of fact, those people in those positions abuse, some of them abuse it so much that it's tainted our ability to show proper respect and authority to certain authorities. I, I have my own troubles. Like with my kids, I'm trying to show my children that it's okay to interact with police officers and say hello and engage them as a person. Yet I still have, I realized like I was walking on the street and I saw a police car drive by and I just like side-eyed it. Like, are they going to do something corny? Like, are they coming? And I was like, oh, I got to stop that because I don't want my kids to function that way. We all have, at least I feel, like I said, trying to take people and bring them down instead of honoring the position they have. Think about teachers. Yep, I'm one of them. We're supposed to engage with children but be at their level. That's what they try to tell people. And I'm like, no, why would a child want to talk to someone who's at their level? Why would they listen to someone who's at their level? How can you teach with, at their level? Now, if you're saying that we want to meet them where they are in the abilities that they have to raise them up while letting them know I'm not just here as your teacher, but I'm also your friend, that's a different thing. Anyways, I'm not that, that almost sidebarred. I'm sorry. What I'm really trying to get us to do is stop bringing Jesus down to be our homie, be our friend. And I don't mean like a, the good version of a friend. I mean like the person that you literally are disrespectful towards. The person that you are looking at them and you treat them like, you know, you're going to be here no matter what. Uh, it is, it has troubled me so much how this whole relationships and things go with between us and God and I can see a version of it because it's not the same thing when you think about us to children or us to our peers or our bosses it's not the same thing but there's still something there that we can pick up from because like I'll, one of my tasks when was given to me I'll never forget they're like Andre really what do we want you to do is help these children understand these students understand how to show honor and respect. I was like, wow. This was coming from the leadership that I was working with. And I was like, I didn't think of it as a big deal until like, I really started watching and observing and I saw it's not normal for honor and respect. So if it's not normal in our everyday life to do honor and respect with our peers and our workers, our friends, our family, how can we know how to do that with God? Because if that's not your norm, you don't know. So look, I need you to help me create a new norm. And the reason I say this is because our very lives are dependent on it. If you were to look at Matthew 7, um, verse 22. Yes, a lot of you guys know where I'm going. But for those that don't, it says, many will say to me in that day, and this is talking about on Judgment Day. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Signs, miracles, and wonders all being done in Jesus' name, and they're happening. People are being healed. Demons are being cast out. He says, 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I need you to process this thought. And I want you to even think about, process this thought. You can heal people and still not have a right relationship with Jesus. You can speak life to people and still not have a right relationship with Jesus. Mm. Hold on. You having a right relationship with Jesus is about your heart and the position you have him in. He can't be someone who you acknowledge just as a great teacher and a good example, a historical figure. He can't be the person that is an afterthought of afterthoughts. He is to be Lord and Savior. And it's hard when we choose to fully dive in culturally and try to be a follower of Christ when we should be a follower of Christ and allow that lifestyle to influence our culture. I'll let you sit with that one. It's hard because then you start looking like the awkward person or awkward people that God said we would be, the royal priesthood that God said we would be, his own unique people. Who do you belong to? Not who can you try to influence. If you could never do another thing, do you still know who you have a right relationship with? Like, are you and God on good terms? Not because you did something special, but because you accepted everything he's already done on you and my behalf. The world is not going to change their way of doing respect in the culture. Matter of fact, we, we see all sorts of things happening now that are challenges because one person says you don't respect me in this way. So then they get to be disrespectful to another in another way. And then that group says that they can be disrespectful to this other. So it's just like this chain of disordered confusion and ugh. When literally, if you were to take a moment to say, let me do my part. Let me show honor and respect to every individual, whether I, whether I agree with them or not. And then when it comes to the position of Jesus in your life, let me see what the Father wants from me. What was Jesus' example? Because in doing that, you'll be able to figure out how to have a right relationship with him. Now, is this all magical? Do I have it all figured out? Nope, not at all. But I do believe that we need to stop doing the... Um, the cakewalk, like trying to make people feel like following Christ is super easy. It's not. It's not. Matter of fact, it's not even ideal in today's culture to have somebody who tells you that there's something right and there's something wrong. There's a moral compass. Nah, bro. That's going to make you an outlier. 
because they're going to always find a way to say, well, you wouldn't agree to that if this situation occurred. Why you got to create a situation that doesn't exist? Why not deal with what reality is right now? And if that situation that doesn't exist ever exists, then we deal with that situation. Ultimately, we should choose to love God because of who he is and everything he's already done. He don't need to do another thing. But to show that you love him means to put him in the proper place as Lord and Savior of your life. Not as a reference point of, oh, you know, back in the day I used to, because, oh, sorry. My brain just clicked and I was like, oh. Like I said, me and Vizel was talking, talking about comfort. You know the easiest people to get comfortable with God? Those of us that grew up in church. We've been around it so long. We've seen people claim one thing and do another. We've experienced being let down because maybe we misunderstood what was supposed to happen or somebody misapplied scripture and so we took it the way they told us and it didn't pan out. That doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change the mandate to keep him in the right position. And that's the part that I'm challenged by. That's the part where I'm saying, look, I'm not doing this and beating on y'all. I'm saying, let's do this together. Remember I said life on life with Andre? I want to do life with y'all. I want us to be able to look at the text and notice the patterns of things that are happening and see how that can help change our lives. Because what I don't want to do is be a person that can give you a stat line of all the things I've ever done and yet on the day that it counts, on the day of judgment, Jesus be like, I never knew you. Nah. So before I do anything, I've always constantly say, Lord, I want to make sure me and you right. I'm going to be on your squad. And I know, you know people are going to tell you don't function in fear like that. I agree, don't. But sometimes it's hard because I'm like, man, I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I know my salvation's on lock. But I also know how horrible a person I am. How many times I let God down. How many times I know what I'm supposed to do and choose the wrong thing. I know I don't deserve what he is offering me and giving to me. When you don't deserve a beautiful gift, you honor it in a different way. And when the person that gives it to you is someone who's special, and that's where I think I land at. Can you imagine if we stop looking at God and bringing Jesus down to be who we want him to be in our culture, but instead lifted him up for who he is, the creator and sustainer of life? He has existed before time was even a concept. He spoke and the universe came to be. We are walking miracles. Why do I say that? You don't tell yourself to breathe. You don't tell your heartbeat to go. Matter of fact, you can't explain why one human brain to the other human brain doesn't think exactly the same. Because according to science, it's just a brain. Yet we all are developing and becoming these different unique individuals that can grow in so many different ways. And there is a sustainer and creator behind it. I'm just saying, we can do life. We can choose to honor God. 
and we can teach our children to honor God. And even though we may not be able to change the direction of the whole culture, we can help our village and impact our communities. So join me in doing this. Join me in finding ways to say, let me do an evaluation of things that I'm doing and maybe here's something I can change that allows me to show my children and my, my spouse or my friends this is how we can honor God. Not as a mandate or a rule to beat them up with, but instead as a loving way to say, let's do life together. So I'm going to end this with a little cornball story. My friends that know me, I, I talk about Andre and Jackson and Jante, but there's a, there was a group of us, you know, Cuddy Lynn. Um, we had this group and we were like supposed to be leadership and we were like high schoolers. And we're sitting there, we, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to do right but we boys, so we, we, we do whatever. We play sports together. But one day we just said, hey, bro, look, ain't no more cussing. If you cussing, bro, you getting the elbow, bro. So we would try. If you catch somebody cussing, you bang them with your elbow. It was supposed to be fun and games. But it was also supposed to help you not cuss. Because we felt like we weren't supposed to be cussing if we're supposed to represent Christ. That was something that we did. That was community for us. That was our brotherhood. And as corny as it sounds, it was one of the beautiful things that we could do to help each other out at that time. So if there's something in your community that you know works for you and your group, I know people that are doing wealth, and they're sitting there saying, how can we create wealth for not just us, but our future generations? Because that's something that is a benefit. And it's what we're called to when it comes to Jesus, when he gives us talents and gifts. He wants us to do well and do right by those things. I know people that are focused on health. And they do that with the group. So it's not a matter of us having to be all creative and find all sorts of new things. Sometimes we just need to open our eyes and look around us about what can we join that somebody else is already doing. It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be something that has to be broadcast either. So I know I'm doing this on a podcast, but I'm just saying, like, it can be your own thing between you, your, your, your community, and God. So now, as always, as we get ready to sign out, please remember to like, share, repost, you know, same thing as share, um, join. Like, if you got Spotify, like, like it. If you're on Apple... Uh, iTunes, you know, follow it. You know, I'm on Google. I'm all over the place. I just joined a new platform, but I'll tell y'all more about that as I learn more. So, yeah, get on here. Let me hear your thoughts. Let me know what's going on. And if you got questions that come up, let me know. Because like I said, I want to do life with you. Because this is Life on Life with Andre. You can always email me at lifeonlifewithandre at gmail.com. Um, I want to give shout outs. One of the shout outs, you know, beer game. You know, I'll get, I would, when I get my haircut, I'll talk about my haircut because that person's supposed to give me the tag. But Tierra, my cousin, she got a line of products to Shay. And she's doing like, this is the beard oil. Boy, I tell you, something, it does something right by you. And then, you know, as I did, my boy, Sports and Food, make sure you check them out for their latest podcast also. And if you too have something that's here local or something, I don't care if it's national, let, like, let me know. If you want me to give it a little shout out. Um, but yeah, may God be with y'all. May he bless you. And I hope that in the next couple of weeks, I hear little bitty fires being started all over because 
we have chosen to put Jesus in his right place. So the Holy Spirit just starts burning up inside of us and we start passing that on. Oh, future announcement also. I will be speaking more preacher style. More, not really. Uh, with the young people in September, I'll tell y'all some more info about that. It'll be uh, past, a little bit past mid-September. I'm looking forward to doing that engagement. All right. Thanks again for checking it out. Have a blessed, blessed couple weeks.